Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor, and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Happy Black Friday and welcome to Sex and Science Hour. Now we hope that you all did your Black Friday shopping with (laughs) stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And speaking of stuff, we were too stuffed from the Thanksgiving turkey to actually do a show last night, so we're a day late. But uh, <laughs> there's still plenty of time, right? There's a lot of there's like a whole month to do the Christmas shopping through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Yeah, you unless know, you're like Brian and you like have this weird idea that you shouldn't buy anything. Well, okay. I mean, Christmas is a whole other conversation. It might be an interesting one to have, you know, when it gets close to that time. Oh, I'm on sure the show. we'll be having it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, for Black Friday, it's so funny, like. Like, I, I think just don't, don't, you know, save your money. Like, really, hold, hold on to your money, whatever that money is, if it's Bitcoin or whatever, whatever the fuck it is, you know, just hold on to it. The irony is, is that I recommended doing that. And some people said it's like, oh, no, no, that, that's just what they're doing, what the kids are doing today. You know, it's this no buy Black Friday or whatever. And, and it's some kind of trend and don't fall into that. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Since when are we telling people not to save money? Like, since when are we saying, I, I mean, yeah, that, true. That's a good point. Isn't, isn't the argument that, well, kids never save money, nobody saves money anymore, a bunch of Keynesians are just spending all the time. And, and, and here I am saying, look, no, yeah, don't spend money. Just hold on to your cash, hold on to your, your cryptocurrencies, whatever, and, and just go forward. You know, like having the money is more important than having the shit. And it depends why, though. Like, there's, I feel like that doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like, if you have tons of student loans to pay off, And like, you know, you're kind of fucked because you're trapped like forever Mm. in this like student debt trap, like buy a Christmas present if it makes you happy. (laughs) You know, like everybody says like, oh, yeah, if you could just cut out that cup of coffee every morning, you could save like $100 a year. Well, guess what? $100 a year is not going to make that much difference. And it probably that cup of coffee makes you happy and gets you through the day. So it's really not worth it to like cut to the bone and scrimp on these, you know, on these things. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely on that. But I'm saying like, there's people who will just spend outrageous amounts of money all because they get $5 off on something. And there's some really nasty tricks that a lot of, uh, in my opinion, nasty tricks that a lot of retailers retailers yeah. and, and whatever are, yeah well they've are, are perfected it they've they they know how to get people to buy stuff i suppose and, yeah but i mean like if it's something you need anyway and you're just waiting till black friday to buy it because you can get a better deal like for example i bought some audio software on black friday right and i got a, i 
I got a better price on it than I would have been able to get any other day of the year. So I felt pretty good about that, but it was something I was going to buy anyway. Yeah, right. I mean, well, that's different because that's something you're like, you're planning it out, you know, when the best price is going to come and all this. And also it's something that doesn't require you to get involved in the madness that happens at malls and shopping malls and all this different yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's so, true. And it's not that's like true. necessarily you're buying into a scarce resource of some kind, I mean, which software isn't. So yeah, it, it, I mean, there's a lot of nuance involved, but also, like, I never think it's a bad idea to tell people to, you know, to, to hold on to their money and save money. Yeah, it always helps if you think about it. Like, if you're going to make a big purchase, take a don't do it right now. You know, mm-hmm. take a little while, think about it. Sure. Same thing with eating. It's like, do you really want that dessert? Can you wait like five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, and then reassess whether you really want it? Right. I mean, I think it's about being mindful because people do use shopping as a drug. Well, it's a coping them... mechanism. Sure. Yeah, right. Retail therapy, right? Sure. Haven't you ever heard that phrase? I mean, it does give you a dopamine high and it makes you feel good to buy something. I get a rush when I buy things, especially something that's expensive, right? Sure, sure. But, you know, it does help to... It, it's not going to make you feel good later if you're overspending money that you don't have and then somehow you have to find a way to pay it off in January, February when you have your shopping hangover and also your taxes are due, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I guess just be mindful about it. I don't think it's necessarily bad to buy stuff, especially if you need it. But, you know, our culture does encourage a lot of mindless consumption and buying out of obligation gifts for people that you just feel obligated to get that you're not really giving from the joy of giving. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I encourage being a little more mindful about it, but I won't say buy nothing. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Well, okay. Speaking of buying things you don't need, (laughs) there's a guy who bought something that I think he really doesn't need. Um, (laughs) he, He might disagree, but it's a rocket ship that... He plans to launch over a ghost town to prove that the Earth is flat. His name is Mad Mike Hughes, and he's a self-taught rocket scientist. Oh, what boy. could go wrong, Brian? <laughs> Are they even going to let him do this? Um, I don't know, but here's some background. He's a 61-year-old limo driver who has spent the past few years building a steam-powered rocket out of salvage parts in his garage. He spent about $20,000 on it, including rust-oleum to paint it. <laughs> And a motorhome he bought on Craigslist that he converted into a ramp. And uh, he says he doesn't believe in science. And right. his main sponsor for the rocket is Research Flat Earth. Now, do what? you think there's any flat earthers who listen to this show, Brian? There might. There, there might, might actually be, be yeah, one or two. there might be. It seems and... to be becoming alarmingly prevalent these days, the idea that, oh, maybe the Earth is flat. It's weird that that this is that this is really getting like bought into, um, and you'd think there'd be simple science that could kind of help back it up, just like there's very simple science that actually helps back up the idea that the Earth is is a spheroid. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as best I can tell, that doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for the idea of questioning everything, sure. but you can't be so open-minded that your brain falls out. You know. <laughs> well- <laughs> Well, you got to be right? careful like, of that use phrase, Use a little too, bit but... of thinking and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, so I'm reminded, there's that movie, The Astronaut Farmer, I think it's called. Um, and, you know, in that, the guy has the has trouble with, you know, the government. I mean, and this is, this is where things do get odd. That doesn't mean it's evidence for that the Earth is flat. But where things get odd is, like, the government really doesn't just let private individuals, like, really just let them launch. 
space flight. So yeah, like you know, go into space and whatever, and launch rockets and all this. And and I get, I get, I understand the arguments why they don't allow for that. I'm not saying it's right, uh, but it is odd that you're that the everyday person can't, without getting a whole lot of permission from a whole lot of people, to go into space. That you just can't do that, whether you build it or not. I mean, I'll admit that that part is strange. Well, but what about SpaceX and the private companies that are really like ruling the space industry now? Yeah, but they're getting so much permission. Like they're working with so many different. They're uh, in bed with the gov- with NASA and Lockheed Martin and Boeing and all that. Yeah, I don't know how much in bed. I mean, certainly Elon Musk is in bed because I mean he's a government welfare queen. Uh, but you know, Bezos, I don't know how much he's necessarily in bed with them, but he does have to get permission. Uh, and this is the thing: is that I have a very hard time believing that. Because, you know, SpaceX and Blue Origin, which are Elon's and, and Bezos's companies, you know, these hire quite a few people. I mean, these are these are pretty major organizations. And I just have a hard time believing that uh, a government agent comes up to Bezos or Musk and their entire companies and says, all right, look, we need you to know something. OK, the Earth is actually flat. You <laughs> just can, don't tell anybody. Yeah, don't tell anybody. You can do all this stuff. That's fine. Make it look good. Make things pretty. Because right now, NASA can't really afford to. OK, but I just we just we want you to know. You know, the Earth is flat, all right? We're, yeah. we're going to give you... And we'll, the moon is actually a lamp that's being projected. Right. right. Yeah, it's actually... There's a saying. hologram coming down. And Antarctica. Really, oh, we can't tell you. That's yeah, classified. Can't even tell you about Antarctica. But you can't fly over it. Right. And and I'm actually wearing a red dress. And I just... You know, I want you to know all these things. And we'll give you the special lenses to make it look like the Earth is round. Okay? But you just... You got to play ball with us, all right? You know? <laughs> right. I mean, we're, we're going to let you waste billions of dollars. You know, on something that just that just isn't so. I mean, none of that makes any sense in the world. Like, right. Because, but that's the argument that would have to be made by the flat earthers. And ignoring all the stuff like, like the moon and the sun are actually like projection lamps, and that the whole oh, moon the, itself is a is a carefully screened projection. Antarctica well, isn't at the bottom of the globe. It's actually on the edges of the flat donut disc or something like that. Uh, it, well, I think you're. The, yeah, the projection. It there's, work. Yeah, there, there's. I know there's no gravity. It's just density, right? Right. <laughs> That's what they say. Right. Um, gravity was invented by the Freemasons. You see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this is what people actually. Some people actually say this stuff. Right, and 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 it's really sad that I don't know that there's there's a lot of people who again you get into that attitude and it's a good one you know of of questioning authority you mm-hmm. know and understand questioning authority i agree it's not about right or wrong it's just about questioning authority you know and, yeah, and you can, science is an authority certainly or scientists are, sure anyway. and there's plenty of times in history that scientists have been wrong okay i'm the first one to admit that and i am a scientist but you know sometimes you question the the official story and through research and critical thinking you actually arrive at the conclusion yourself that, yeah, actually, the official story does make sense. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come out that the official story is all wrong. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're genuinely open-minded, then you're okay with whatever conclusion you come to through rational thought or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll say quick, what I really think that a lot of this is about is that I think people, the world has gotten incredibly complex for a lot of people. And I understand and I empathize with that. It's complex for me in a lot of ways, you know, and, and I'm not saying I'm anything special, but the world's gotten very complex. I think there's a lot of people that want to go back to what they consider the good old days 
And one of the, I think what they feel is a real shortcut to getting back to the good old days is like literally going back to the, you know, 15th or 14th, 15th century. When people thought the earth was flat. Yeah. yeah and saying, look, everything's been alive for the past 500 years. Right. And you, you know, and, and if we can just prove that everything's been alive for the past 500 years, we can get back to where women are property. We can get back to where kids can get spanked and yelled at and beaten and we can get back to where men rule you know men really rule the world and we're in charge of things we can have kings and queens no more of this bullshit politics and they can get back to you know they can get back to their position of dominance i, I really think that's what this is about i don't even know if there's that much of an agenda behind it i just think that i no i think I, it's I an unconscious i think that's an unconscious agenda mm-hmm. i think that that's that's like they're wanting to go that far back i think it's unconscious too but i think it's actually simpler than that mm. that Basically, the message in every conspiracy theory is that we've been lied to. There's these people in authority that are keeping secrets from us that are vital to our health and well-being as human beings or, or just knowing the truth. And it's been kept from us and we've been deceived and lied to. And that's like basically the emotional message behind every conspiracy theory. Sure. And if you had a childhood where you're where like your parents didn't believe you about stuff and lied to you or other authority figures did and you constantly felt like that as a kid it kind of validates that that that's your world view mm-hmm. you know what i mean it kind of confirms that emotional message of yeah we've been lied to all authority figures are lying and stuff like that yeah yeah i can appreciate that i mean and and that's a very power i'll admit like when you come to a realization of some kind that you've been lied to especially when it's something on a mass scale oh you feel so mad mad yeah. and hurt yes like i'll tell you something just i mean and this is a very oh, i've ba- had several of those in my life <laughs> sure well here's a very basic one for me okay you know growing up um like i grew up in the 80s and 90s and all that and you had like this very popular heavy metal scene you know and it looked like this awesome party you watch all the concert videos and everything you watch mtv and whatever and it's like oh wow this is a fantastic time and you know you have women like you know taking their shirts off the whole thing everybody's smiling laughing you know rocking and rolling doing all this business none of that when i was a kid like this is what i i was taking in as okay this is a good time this is cool this is what's fun this is what everybody wants to go and do i never got the message in any of the videos or the concert you know not dvds but you know uh, tapes whatever I never got, I never understood that. Well, yeah, but people have to get drunk or be high or they have to do some kind of drugs to, to like, to be mm, willing to act that way. Right. I didn't know that. I thought that's just everybody's how people drunk. acted. Yeah. And when I finally went to my first concert and all, so I was like, whoa, what, if, why is everybody doing this shit? Like, like, what, if, this doesn't have to be, can't we just have a good time without, you know, without all this stuff? And it's fine that they do it. I don't care, you know, but it's just, like that actually hurt for, and I was really mad about that for a long time that I didn't know that, well, you have to be doing this, you have to be doing that and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, so, and, and, and that can affect you, you yeah. know, I get that. I know a lot of people have had that I've been lied to moment with drugs where sure. like when they t- teach you in, in, um, <laughs> in middle school or whatever, or elementary school that the dare officer comes in is like, all right. Now, somebody might try to offer you marijuana. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, right. If you have one toke, you'll get addicted forever. And they'll try to hook you by giving it to you for free. But you have to say no because all they want is to get you hooked. And you're powerless to stop it. Once you, once you do it once, it's over. So don't even try it. Yeah. Right? And this will ruin your life. It'll get you in jail. It'll get you in trouble. When, you know, a lot of people smoke their first marijuana joint and they're like, 
wait a minute, none of that actually happened. No, it's, it's har- we've we've been lied to, right? Yeah, it's pretty much harmless. I mean, yeah. yeah. In fact, I remember the cartoons back at the time where like they showed this kid who suddenly you know he starts token. Yeah, and- <laughs> I remember a cartoon of like a joint like walking around and uh-huh. saying like, "Hey, kid, smoke <laughs> me, man!" And it was like really scary looking. Like it right. really scared the shit out of me. And I never tried pot, and you know, it yeah, worked yeah. on me to a certain extent. And sure. I, I'm still not into drugs or anything. I'm not a, I'm not a cannabis consumer, if you will. But I know a lot of people have had that experience because I've heard them talk about it. Now, for me, one of the things that I felt like we've been lied to is. Um, Basically, like the Disney version of romance and love oh, and romantic yeah. relationships, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Where there's this prince charming, and he's going to come sweep you off your feet. And it's always a he and a she, right? Mm-hmm. It's always a prince and a princess, right? And in order to get the prince charming, you have to look a certain way, which is like ultra hyper feminine, and you have to act a certain way. And then, you know, once you get married, you live happily ever after with no more work on the relationship. Like, what? I mean, there's just so many weird things in that story oh and if he's jealous it means he loves you more right (laughs) and if he stalks you and won't take no for an answer he's not a rapist or a stalker he's actually just in love with you and that's nice and you should take that as a compliment so like all this gender stuff and all this romance stuff but you know the things with that compared to the flat earth theory like those can be easily proven or disproven Uh through you know, reason and logic alone. I mean, like, it, it's very, very basic, and, and, and you can, like, factually show, okay, that's bullshit, like, or, or that this is a, a harmful mm-hmm. uh, uh, relationship style for human beings or, or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but is there anything to really disprove, do you think? Disprove the flat the, earth? The flat earth? Do we maybe oh, have like another everything? story that's going on? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Well, actually, there is a person, a human being, who lived in space for a year on the International Space System, uh, Space Station. Which we've talked about uh, in We've the talked about on this the on the show. Yeah, he actually has a twin brother. His name's Scott Kelly, and his brother is, I don't know, he's the control, so he's not as famous. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's got a twin brother, and the researchers saw this and said, well, his twin brother's actually also an astronaut, but he hasn't lived in space like Scott has. Right. So... The researchers saw this and were like, ooh, this is a perfect opportunity to study the physiological effects of living in space on human beings. And it was really interesting. A lot of people have been following this very uh, carefully. And there was some stuff, some data that came out like a couple of years ago about like the the length of the telomeres, right? Like Scott's, after being in space, his telomeres got shortened prematurely or something like that. It looked, it didn't look good. Well, now it looks even worse for Scott, unfortunately. It, uh, his body has been, he's been basically really sick since returning from space. Okay. And some of the things that have been happening to his body, uh, he's got really bad edema swelling in his ankles. He said his legs feel like stumps. He can feel the tissue in his legs swelling. He shuffles his way to the bathroom, moving his weight from one foot to the other with deliberate effort. And by the way, he says he feels like cr- constantly crushed from the gravity on the earth. Like that the gravity is just weighing down wow. on him. Hasn't adjusted back to it. Um, his ankles are swollen and his wife says she can't even feel his ankle bones. He's got a burning rash all over his back, the backs of his legs and his neck and head. It looks like hives. He's got an extremely high risk of cancer because he's gotten... 30 times the radiation of a person on Earth, about equivalent to 10 chest X-rays a day for like over a year or almost a year. 
He's got a relentless high fever and he's got um, waves of nausea. Muscles and joints feel prematurely aged, constant pressure of gravity and problems with his vision. This is one of the most depressing stories yeah, I think I've this is ever horrible. heard. I mean, like, because I myself, I have such wild and crazy, and I don't think they're just dreams. They could be a reality. Uh, but dreams about going into space that to find out this is what happens either over time or when you come back to Earth, which isn't that big of a deal to me because it's like, well, I don't even have to come back to Earth. Like, that's okay. You know, I, I, I could do without that. <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave all these people behind. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it's this is this is really, really depressing. I mean, and, and I well, that's one way to look at it. You can look at it as it's depressing. And I agree. I mean, it's depressing for Scott Kelly. I feel terrible for him. Yeah, I mean, I, he was I guess he knew what he was signing up for, right? To, to have the chance to live in space for a year. He knew it might hurt him. Well, and, but, and I'll thank him for his courage. I mean, yes, because this is, you know, he's a human guinea pig. Oh, and yeah, he like, really is. And for something so important. And he's doing a huge service. But I was going to say the other way to look at it is that now we know what the effects of living in space are and we can start developing medical technologies or preventative technologies to uh, prevent these things. Yeah, and I know that there's there's a lot of talk about this, different types of, uh, of uh, composites, materials that... That will that, block out the radiation. Exactly. That seems to be one of the biggest problems. Right, right. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is certainly, it's good to know. I, yeah, I guess I just feel bad for, you know, I, I definitely feel bad for Scott Kelly, but um, it's unfortunate, and I think in a lot of ways, just because. Well, well, no, I, we're learning. You're right. I think you're right. We're we're learning. We're figuring this stuff out, and this is just one of those paths to really, you know, to, to learning how to how to actually traverse the stars, um, as it were. Uh, I think you know, ironically, I think some flat earthers. I would say that this proves. I mean, well, let me finish my sentence. I think some flat earthers would say. Um, that, well, how, how would they how would they put this? I would say that this. Come on, Brian, get into the mindset. Yeah, I, I, right. <laughs> I would say this disproves flat earthers because it's like, well, what did they do? Did they just toss him in some like room with a ton of radiation for a year, mm -hmm. like, and it was all bullshit. What's happening to this guy? Well, this no, you know what I think they would really say. What would they say? I think they would say that this is all bullshit. That he's not really sick. They're just putting out propaganda to warn people off from even trying to go to space because if they go to space, they'll find out the truth, which is well, that the Earth is flat. Yeah, there you go. That's what I wanted to say. The flat earthers <laughs> would say was that. Oh, Oh, this is all a setup and this is so that you don't go into space that way you never really find out what exactly right. is going on and all that no I, I agree it could be it could be partially propaganda to warn people from going into space but is that really because the earth is flat no probably more likely because there's some kind of military bases up there that oh, they don't want people to see or oh, you know <laughs> somebody's going going deep i've talked about this on sovereign tech before sure yeah i mean there's there's some people well, hackers. I, I live with you brian i pick it up from you yeah. here <laughs> I well, absorb it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and look, I wouldn't put it past NASA or anyone else to, um, you know, to come up with bullshit to to keep people from, say, going to Mars or from going into space. Or you something. like to talk about how a couple of years ago they started harping on this Van Allen belt, which a is like third a, one. a radiation belt that was suddenly discovered. 
when just when the technology seemed to be advancing that would allow humans to go back and forth to Mars. Right, yeah. And so, yeah, this happened back in 2013. NASA announced that there was, uh, oh, we just discovered this third Van Allen belt. And, oh, this third Van Allen belt, which is a radiation belt. Yeah, it would the, certainly be yeah. deadly to humans, so don't even try. There would be dragons over on the side of right. the uh, cliff. Of and the to make it worse, they said, yeah, and you know what? This Van Allen belt can just come and go. It can just disappear. It's where <laughs> oh, the two Van Allen belts that we legitimately know about. I agree. That sounds sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, like like that was weird. I'm like, all right, guys, come on, you gotta lie better than that, you know. And so so like I'm not. It's not that I'm I'm like I blindly believe everything that NASA says. By far from it. But yeah, this is happening to this guy. I mean, it, yeah. It, but it's also completely. You could completely imagine that that would be the case, right? Like it's not hard to see how someone could get radiation sickness from being in space. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, this is sadly totally believable. Yeah. And, and there had been plenty of scientists that had said this is exactly what would happen. Right. And there was there were astronauts who were in space for shorter periods of time, not for a year, but for shorter missions that did experience some of those same symptoms, like a preview. Right. Of what was sort of coming for right. Scott. Though, admittedly, Buzz Aldrin's the fountain of youth. I mean, geez, that guy. <laughs> well, I guess he was able to recover, yeah. Yeah. So, well, but then I guess then you'd have the people who say we never landed on the moon. They right? would say yes, that that's because he never moon. went. Yeah. That's why he's okay. He was walking on a set in California. Yeah. Scott but... Kelly's the real sacrificial lamb. Yeah. Duh, right? You know, that's kind of the crap that they would go down. Well, but, you supposedly, know, if we've never been to the if no humans have ever been to the moon, um, well, I guess they didn't need to go to the moon to uh, uncover this. But apparently, Japanese scientists have discovered a cave in the moon that they think could be colonized. The Japanese Aerospace Agency has just discovered a massive underground cave in the moon, which could be as a, used as a potential location for a lunar station in the coming months. It has raised hopes for human colonization of the moon, and experts say we'll make it in less than 20 years. Yes, now, this the, is a 50-kilometer deep cave, and it's a lava tube, lava tube from a volcanic eruption. Right. Now, they've also recently think that they've found these on Mars. And they right. make sense. Lava tubes naturally occur, you know, during... Yeah, I mean, it's they, they're probably everywhere. Yeah, right. And so this is, this is where you can get maybe a little more hopeful again, mm -hmm. because a lava tube, you know, like a cave, has so much natural protection from the elements and from the, the you know, kind of the rigors of space uh, that... You know, this, this could, if you could at least just get people to the moon, get them in that lava right. tube. Right. The, the planet would shield them from the radiation. Right. But then there's the problem of living underground. I mean, you're going to have to find some way to pipe in some sunlight or something. Yeah, there's some challenges with that. But I think those might be easier to solve than how do we lick this radiation yeah. and everything. And, and the circadian rhythms. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like... There might need to be some genetic engineering that goes on if, if human beings are ever going to live on different planets because we're so adapted for the Earth. I think you might be right. Yeah. And, and there will be. And I don't have a problem with it, and I'll tell you why. Because it would be separate from Earth. Like, it, you know, you just have... They wouldn't be humans. They would be human 2.0 or something, something engineered like specifically for Mars. Yeah. All right. Multi-planet species. Let's go. Well, we've solved all the world's problems, yeah. Brian, but uh, have you have you solved the problem of yourself where you don't have any 
sex and science hour friends to connect with. Well, <gasps> if you haven't solved that problem, go to facebook.com and type in in your little search bar, the sex and science hour podcast community. Join our Facebook group. We've got a lot of show prep uh, for this show that was gained from the group. And we have some great discussions on there and you'll make some new friends. And if you don't want to do that, hey, we understand not everybody uses Facebook. Good for you. We would love it if you would uh, tell, tell one of your real life friends about the show. And good for you for being so social in actual meet space instead of just <laughs> online. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Sex and Science Hour. We've been to the moon and back, Brian, but we're Already. coming back to Earth for the science segment. This is really interesting. Now, you know, a lot of studies are done on mice, right? At mice are those little creatures that humans love to experiment on, and they love to draw conclusions that they think apply to humans. But humans are not mice, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a popular thing for anybody espousing any kind of new diet, say, for human beings, be it veganism or paleo or something like that. They all like to pull out the nice, simple fact that in the 30s, the bulk of our, or that the bulk of our, uh, 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 science or research or facts that we consider we have is for what makes up for a good diet for humans was done in the 30s on rats mm-hmm. right or on mice and rats and mice yeah I mean, they both make easy convenient research organisms right but and they're they, not humans right they're not humans and it's not to say that you can't learn anything from mouse or rat experiments because yeah some of the equipment is the same so some of the conclusions could apply to humans but on the other hand, you always have to be aware that mice, one, mice and rats are not humans. And two, mice and rat experiments, especially behavioral experiments, are notoriously sensitive to confounding variables. And this yeah. is what this article is about here. This is from Nature, um, very respected scientific journal. Um, Did you just appeal to authority on me? Way to go. No. <laughs> no let's do it. Well, uh, okay. So basically what happened was there were some researchers that were doing experiments on mice to test the effects of ketamine, which is a, it started out as a veterinary anesthetic, but people, human beings started using it as a recreational drug. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to see what this drug did to mice and did it function basically as like an antidepressant because it's being investigated as a potential to treat depression. Um, And the way they test the way they test this in mice, the way they, the way they test some antidepressants in mice is by giving them this challenge where mice hate to swim, okay? If you've ever had a mouse that fell in your toilet, as we one of our friends did recently, yes, um, you know this, mice, mice hate to swim. Or if you've ever done laboratory research on mice, you know they hate to swim. So they put the mouse in a, in a little swimming pool that forces them to swim in a tank of water, and then they measure how long the mouse swims before they just give up. Now, isn't that a metaphor for human life, really? Like, <laughs> how long can you be forced to swim before you just lose all like, will you know to continue? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Time for depression memes. <laughs> That's right. So um, so this is a test of, of basically depression. And antidepressants will increase the time that the mouse uh, swims before giving up. Right. Now, they tried it with this drug ketamine. And they found that the ketamine uh, did function as like the other antidepressants where it help the mice swim for longer before giving up, but only when it was a male researcher that was administering the test. When it was a female researcher, there was no difference in how long the mice swam when they got ketamine versus the control. So they said, hmm, that's interesting. And good for these researchers for noticing. Yeah, right. For noticing that because, you know, it's 
sometimes those things are just smacking you over the head in science and they're like oh no 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 it couldn't be that you know it must be due to something else right it must yeah. be something in the air or, i don't know like sometimes scientists avoid those really obvious conclusions but that's part of being a good scientist is a, is being always open to observing those things and never discounting anything out of hand and just testing it you know right, just testing right. the hypothesis so they they observed that when male researchers gave the mice this test the result was different than when a female researcher did it so then they said okay we got to investigate this they put the mice in a in a isolation hood so that the mice couldn't smell the the smell the scent of the male or female researcher okay and it eliminated the difference in results between male and female that is crazy mm -hmm. so wait, then, so was the mouse more depressed with the male around no the mouse the mouse uh swam for longer when the male gave the test with ketamine got it okay so it seemed to be a combination of the ketamine and the male researcher that okay. that would cause the mice to swim for longer indicating that they're less depressed and you can see like how the it's like from one jump to the next to the next like you have to kind of make a lot of assumptions here but that's that's how, yeah i'd have some different assumptions on that like maybe they're just so scared for their lives that they kept going well hold on to that thought All so right. okay so they noticed this difference. Then they put the mice in an isolation hood where they couldn't smell who was giving the test, and it eliminated the difference in results when it was a male versus a female researcher doing the test. Then they took a T-shirt of a male researcher that was worn by him, uh -huh. so it carries his scent, and they put it inside this isolation hood. And when the T-shirt was there, it was as if a male was performing the experiment. They, wow. Yeah, it restored the effect. So they concluded that it's something, it's some kind of interaction between the male scent of a human male uh -huh. and the ketamine that is causing, that is, that was causing that result. That is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Like, I, and, and, and my instantaneous thought is, is that, you know, they just, they smell a human male and they just instantly know danger. And so they keep swimming. Like if there's a, I mean, and really, is there anything more dangerous than than a man's dirty T-shirt laying on the floor somewhere? Well, they, I they, mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, if that didn't tell you a bad dirty time was socks had. or underwear, maybe. <laughs> no, the T-shirt's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, they actually said that there have been other published studies that show that uh, male, that the gender of the or the sex of the researcher affects the results in other cases. So, for example. Um, mice seem to be less sensitive to pain when it's a male researcher that's handling them. So it could be a difference, like maybe they're getting some kind of adrenaline rush because they're getting handled more roughly, or they smell the man and they feel afraid and they get an adrenaline rush from that, but they don't smell the woman. So yeah, it's, it's a fascinating thing. I think to me, this shows that there might be a lot of unexpected factors in behavioral experiments on mice mm -hmm. that we don't know about that are skewing the results <laughs> i mean look i think the case could easily be made that men are literally ruining science like across the board <laughs> here i mean they, they are they are killing well, they didn't results ruin it. no they're ruining no it. they like, didn't they showed them in their dirty fucking t-shirts and they're, they're they are ruining oh come so. on they're not ruining anything <laughs> they're not ruining science anyway I mean, no, this they, isn't they, just... they showed you know by having male and female researchers both do the test they showed that there was a difference and that's a good thing to know yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think and, that contributes to science. Yeah, and this is certainly like a, a cut above, you know, the observation effect and all that. Uh, I mean, but it's it's yeah. I mean, all of these factors. This is this is stuff that that science. I'm glad it's doing. Where it's figuring out. Wait a minute. What are the factors that are uh, interfering? You know, with with 
proving our hypotheses. I mean, that, that's fantastic. So, anyway. yeah, absolutely. So, got another gender gender research study. Oh boy. This one I wasn't as big of a fan of. So, this is called "Who Is Distracted by a Girl Wearing Skin Tight Leggings?" Answer: The Girl, <laughs> and it's from Psychology Today. So, basically, this is written by somebody who has has an agenda. Clearly, uh, is an author of a book called. Boys Adrift and Girls on the Edge. Okay, so here's what he thinks of teenagers, <laughs> okay. right? And he was lobbying for dress codes that prevented girls from dressing too sexy at school. And he mentioned uh, this study where, okay, a study done by a different researcher where College women and men were randomly assigned to either wear a bulky sweater or a bathing suit and then take a math test. Okay. Each volunteer was seated in a small room with no windows and no observers. So they're completely alone in this room taking a math test. Okay. Okay. But either they're wearing a sweater or they're wearing a swimsuit. Okay. Now, when boys were wearing uh, a bathing suit or a bulky sweater... Uh, the, the men, the men are the boys. Well, they're college, so I don't know what to call them. The males <laughs> did slightly better when they were wearing a bathing suit versus when they were wearing a sweater. Interesting. Okay. The women who were wearing a bathing suit did much worse than the women who were wearing bulky sweaters. Well, so I, I... They only got about half as many questions right as the women who were wearing sweaters. So what's his conclusion? So the conclusion was that the women were objectifying themselves. He calls it self-objectification. Um, he says, we actually have quite a bit of research now on what happens when a girl or woman wears skin-tight leggings or a swimsuit. Often what happens is, quote, self-objectification. The girl or woman assesses herself as an object on display for others. And the more public the setting, the more likely self-objectification is to occur. Wow. Um so what does this guy recommend? I mean, uh, he recommends dress codes in schools to prevent girls from dressing too sexy. He says that girls routinely wear skin-tight leggings and crop tops to school and that the school dress codes are basically like anything goes. As long as the nipples and uh, ass are covered then by opaque fabric, then it's okay. <laughs> and he says that when he visits schools... Girls tell him that they resent the restrictions of the dress code. They feel that the prohibitions on leggings, hot pants, brassiere tops, etc. are in place to prevent the boys from being distracted, which is what I was always told. Right. I was told I couldn't wear a sleeveless shirt on the hottest week of June in school when I was in eighth grade when all the boys were wearing basketball shirts that showed their arms more than mine uh, because it would distract the boys. Yeah. I'm like, oh, thanks. I feel really considered. And, you know, <laughs> I've talked about this on the show, how much I hate that before. But sure. anyway, um, he says that he tells these girls that the more important issue is not whether the girls who wear these clothing are distracting the boys. The more important question is whether the girls are distracting themselves. And the studies show that they may be. Oh. Now, this really feels a lot like that argument of, girl, you need to respect yourself which means dressing modestly. And if you don't dress modestly, then you're not respecting yourself. It's very like victim blaming. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's what it sounds like to me. Like, okay, perhaps, you know, perhaps there is some kind of undeniable effect 
when people dress a certain way, it affects their performance, mm-hmm. right? That's why, you know, a lot of workplaces have dress codes and they want people to dress professionally. And it's true. When you dress professionally, you feel like acting a certain way. You feel like acting more professionally than if you were to show up in, you know, your pajamas from the night before. Sure. Right? When you take a shower, you feel a little bit different during the day. You know, yeah. take a shower in the morning and like get, put effort into grooming yourself. You know, it sort of sets you up for the day. And I think it does affect your performance. Also, it could be really distracting to try to take a math test when you're wearing like some sexy clothes tend to be uncomfortable, right? Well, that's it's what like, I was like add. high heels, right? It's distracting yeah. to try to take a test when you're wearing uncomfortable clothing and your mind is just constantly drifting back to how uncomfortable your body feels. That's why I always wear pajamas to work. They say dress for the job you want, and I wear pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering. It's like, well, what kind of bathing suits are they? Are they right. wearing a one-piece? Yeah, Is this yeah, a G-string? Right. Like, what, what are they wearing here? For Be- boys, it was swim trunks, and for girls, it was... Uh, it was like a one piece, I think. Yeah, I mean that could be incredibly uncomfortable. And of yeah. course, that's going to throw you know throw people off. Um, but yeah, I have this doesn't make any sense. I mean, because I don't know, like school uniforms. Can I, be... I think they're not addressing the real problem. Yeah, well, at school. Yeah, school, but also just the objectification of women that's all over culture in general. Yeah. It's not the women's fault. They're not no, like right. doing it to themselves. Hey, everybody. I just want to put in a quick plug for my audiobooks. Go to audible.com and search for Stephanie Murphy. You'll find lots of hits like uh, The Good Vibrations Guide to Sex. If you want a sex book that is uh, over 24 hours long, you could listen to me talk about sex for more than a day. <laughs> that is exciting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's also uh, Getting Screwed, Sex Workers and the Law, which is a great book about how the law harms sex workers and makes sex, more, sex work more dangerous, more violent. Um, there's also some fiction books. I've got a bunch of lesbian romance out there. So pick something. It's fun for the whole family. You're guaranteed to find well, something you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> now back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Sex and Science Hour. I got a great smart dumb for you, Brian. You ready for this? <laughs> okay. Brace yourself because this I'm, is going to be cringe worthy. I, I don't know. All right, let's do it. Connected sex toy. Allows, bad. yeah, I know that's like the only <laughs> you have to say. Connected sex toy allows for code injection attacks on a robot you wrap around your genitals. Whoa, what could go wrong? Yeah, what could go wrong with that? This is by Cory Doctor over at Boing Boing. Um, basically, uh, some privacy researchers have identified a sex toy, which is, I guess, made for members with a member. Uh, okay. <laughs> members of the human species with a, in possession of a member. And it has a feature called email a blowjob. <laughs> where you can send a, a, an email to somebody. They click on a link and the sex toy is connected to the internet. And it does something to their dick where it feels like they're getting a blowjob. Supposedly. Okay. <laughs> this, there's just so much wrong with this. Yes. <laughs> um. This, the unnamed sex toy, they didn't say which sex toy it is, but the unnamed sex toy allowed one partner to design a blowjob by specifying actions the toy should take with associated timings. Then you could package up your lovingly crafted blowjob and email a link to it to your partner. Uh, However, the links included Base64 encoded versions of the entire blowjob file. 
What is that file extension like? Dot BJB, BJB or something? <laughs> Make dot BJ, making it vulnerable to code injection attacks. As Lewis notes, Lewis is the uh, the privacy researcher. Quote, I will leave you to ponder the consequences of having an XSS vulnerability on a page with no frame busting and pre-offed connection to a robot wrapped around or inside someone's genitals. Yeah. So, uh, you know, interestingly, we, we talked about this a little while back where the idea was is that you could have like assassin sex robots. Well, here you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talk about getting someone by the short ones, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is... What do you think of the idea? Okay, so we all know that's bad. And we've talked about like, you know, the potentially deadly consequences of, you know, manipulating people by hacking into sex toys or sex devices that right. they're in the middle of using. Um, not to mention the the uh, the leak of data that even if you didn't like manipulate the toy, you could potentially just get an idea of like what a, when a person masturbates or like what they like or what their email address is, like some of the other apps that we've talked about. But what do you think about the idea of being able to email somebody a blowjob? Well, I mean, so that part I actually don't think is so okay. The implementation shit, but like the the concept itself, yeah. I mean, like, I think for a lot of guys, I'm not saying me, I'm just saying for a lot of guys, like, there's the, the attraction to, like, you know, for, for decades, they've, or, well, at least a couple decades, they've had that underwear that could be remote controlled that a woman can wear, right? And, you know, it does Yeah, a but business. you have to be at least within RC range, you know, within radio range, right? Right, right. But that's what I'm saying, is that, okay, this implementation's terrible, but the abstract concept yeah, I, I could see where, where guys would be into that, you know. And would maybe you some like gals. it if you received an email that said, you have received a blowjob, click here and put this thing on your dick? <laughs> <laughs> it's not my thing. No. Like, like that, that's just, that's, that's not for me. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. If you're going to go to the trouble to design a sex, a sexual program, if you were, like, why not just perform it on your partner? Or whoever you're sending it to. I mean, I guess maybe it's for people in long distance relationships. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that's what, what where a lot of teledildonics come in. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a little old fashioned to me. But I always think about long distance relationships. Like the goal is for it not to be long distance at some point, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, this is where. I mean, this is kind of a direction I wouldn't mind for virtual reality to go. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's as long to, as the vulnerabilities are fixed. Well, right, right. And and there's with virtual reality, I think there's ways you could go about this without having to actually wrap something around your dick, you know. But I, I'm just saying that, yeah, I, I could get where this would be attractive to people. So I'm not so much I mean, I'm against its implementation. But again, abstract. Yeah, what whatever, you know, people are going to want to do this. But yeah, Is if you can, somebody, you want to get people together, of course. Are, are there people like. People who give blowjobs out there listening to the sound of my voice, are, are there people you would email a blowjob but not actually give a blowjob in person? I think there's a lot of people that do that. Why, though? Well, Is it safe sex kind of no, stuff? No, I, I think so. In fact, distance in fact, separating I, them? No, I, I know of a couple of gals, actually, that, that would absolutely do this. Like, In fact, they because they see it as... Okay, this is like the reward you deserve for doing something great in science or doing something. 
Oh, uh, like, like oh wonderful, they would like, send it to like a famous person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you did something great for humanity. Oh Here's a blowjob. I actually appreciate like that kind of attitude, right? You know, because I mean, frankly, for a lot of people, I, I'd rather, I, well, I, I could think of scenarios where I'd rather have that than like, you know, a bunch of money or an award or some bullshit, right? You know, I, I mean, okay, I'm just saying I, I could picture it. I and, would and rather I, take the money. Just saying, if anybody wants to congratulate me on something. Yeah, you can send me money. <laughs> I just, I really appreciate the sentiment, the kind of the hedonistic sentiment. I th- I think it's it's rather nice actually. So and, and I guess just, it's like, just I guess it's like I mean, emailing somebody a, a nude picture. Or yeah, something like that. actually, how how different is it from that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like it's conventionally it would be thought of as something that a woman would send to a guy, right? Well, uh, that's I was just about to say. And what do you do if to... you want to congratulate a woman? Like, you, that's creepy, right? Like, somebody has sent you a pussy eating. Ew, right? Like, I would... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand that. I mean, if... <sighs> I would much rather have money is all I'm saying. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's a tough subject. I'm just saying that I, I, I actually, I think it's... Re- I get, I appreciate the sentiment that some of these people, like, kind of send, send out this sort of thing. That's all. all right. Well, we already know uh, the the age old lesson that we've learned from this is don't plug your sex toys into the internet, kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, she says this vulnerability has mostly been fixed. She says kind of been fixed. Uh, <laughs> well, the but, problem's the internet. So, <laughs> yeah. Wait, how is the problem the internet? Well, centralized services. I mean, like a lot of this stuff wouldn't even necessarily be an issue if you had all of it more on a, if it was more localized or, I mean, then that kind of defeats the purpose, but the internet sucks. So anyway. All right. There you have it from Brian. The internet sucks. Well, it's not encrypted either. So (laughs) (laughs) if it had, if it had a nice encryption layer and it wasn't laying out like the way they said with XSS or whatever, I mean, it'd be, it'd be so much better. Anyway, let's go. All right. Uh, I've got some listener emails. First one says, Hey, Stephanie, if I want to try some of that kombucha tea you talk about, what do you recommend or what are your favorites? Oh, you, I this love is this all question, you. by you, the way. You take it. <laughs> so Brian hates kombucha, so it's good that they didn't ask him. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different kinds of kombucha out there, but I suspect if you like it, you won't be buying it for long because you'll, you'll want to start making your own. So just be prepared for that. If you like it, be prepared to invest in a hobby. Yep. <laughs> Not that it's super expensive or anything, but it's... No, uh, the aliens you know, can, made it like cheap yeah, you know, to, so that they can harvest you. Right. Almost. Our right. overlords have made it quite easy to perpetuate their life. Exactly. <laughs> um, so there's a, br- a brand of kombucha out there called GT's, which is organic and it gets made in California. And it seems to be very ubiquitous. Like you can find it not only in most health food stores, but also in most grocery stores. If you want a really good selection of kombucha, go to a health food store and look in the fermented foods. Sometimes they have it by the, by the kimchi and the sauerkraut that are like natural. Sometimes they have it by like the vegetarian food. Um, it's, it's always refrigerated. It's not going to be found at room temperature so that you know where to look, basically. Expect to pay about four bucks for a bottle of kombucha, 16 ounces. Um, it's not cheap, and that's why people make their own. But they have a lot of flavors. GT's has a lot of flavors. Um, I will say that, you know, if you like a flavor in general, like not in kombucha, start with that. So like, if you like ginger, get a ginger flavor. Those are popular. They're always available. If you like berries, go for some kind of blueberry or or uh, berry mix or something like that. If you like ginger and berries together, then go for a gingerade or something like that with a berry in it. <laughs> if you like uh, 
there, I don't know. There's all kinds of different flavors, but just pick something that looks good and you'll probably won't be disappointed. It tastes like, um, it tastes a little bit vinegary, a little bit bubbly, a little bit like a soda, but, but not. It's more like tangy than a soda. Um, I realize that I'm not doing a great job of describing it, but it is a fermented food. So it has that taste of those organic acids, like any kind of fermented food that you might eat. Um, and usually people who like one type of fermented food like other types. So like if you're into this whole world of fermentation, <laughs> you know, I mean, beer is the, is the fermented food that everybody thinks of and likes. But if you like beyond just beer, if you like kimchi and sauerkraut, you'll probably like kombucha. Um, there's some other like local ones. And there, in fact, there's even a kind of kombucha that's on tap a lot of times. Like you buy, basically you buy a glass bottle and you can refill it. You can bring it back to the store and refill it at some health food stores. Um, I love kombucha made out of jasmine green tea because jasmine green tea is, is my favorite stuff. <laughs> so I like when they use that for the base. You can use any kind of tea as a base for kombucha, um, as long as it's like organic tea. And organic because, you know, like pesticides in the tea could harm the cultures. That's that's why they say use organic tea. Um, and to make your own kombucha, uh, if, you, if you're ready for the next step, if you want to make your own, um, do some Google searching. But there's a website that I really like, which I use their recipe and their starter guide called Cultures for Health. And they have a great guide, um, all you need to know about starting up with kombucha. Basically, you want to brew a liter of tea cool it down to room temperature, use organic black tea, green tea, or a mixture of the two. You can also make kombucha out of jasmine green tea or oolong tea if you want to get really fancy. Um, but you should keep it like the same type of tea, like don't switch types of tea because the SCOBY gets used to the type of tea. Um, then once it's cooled down to room temperature or when it's hot, uh, you want to stir in sugar. Usually you use about half a cup of sugar for a liter of tea. You get a glass uh, mason jar that can hold that much tea with some air at the top. Um, you let it cool down to room temperature and then you add your SCOBY and starter tea. The SCOBY is like the kombucha mushroom. It looks like a mushroom. It looks like a big pancake that kind of floats at the top of the kombucha. And then the starter tea is for acidity. You know, it's basically like old kombucha that's been brewed or maybe even over brewed so that it adds acidity and brings down the pH of the, of the new kombucha with the sugar in it. Um, to prevent any nasty stuff from growing and to get just get the SCOBY off to a good start. Um, then over time, the SCOBY will work its magic. You might see like brown strands of yeast forming on the SCOBY. You might see bubbles. Um, they can have a lot of different appearances, but you want to watch out for any like cheesy smells or like if it smells gross, if it smells like moldy, obviously it's contaminated. Uh, you cover it up with uh, like a paper towel and a rubber band over the top so that it can breathe, but no other shit can get in. And then you wait um, anywhere from a week to a month, depending on kind of the temperature. And you, the way you see if it's ready is by trying it. That's how you make kombucha. All right. Here's my little guide. Nice. Next question. <laughs> More than you ever wanted to know. So yeah, basically start with any kombucha. And, um, you know, if you... If you hate it, you probably hate kombucha. Like, I feel like the flavor doesn't make that much of a difference because the commercially available ones are brewed to be tasty and good. So if you like those, you know, maybe try some different flavors. But if you hate them, then maybe you just don't like kombucha. <laughs> and I don't know what to tell you. But if you really like it, you can make your own. Yay. Okay. Next question. How do I spice up my marriage and get into voice work? What? 
I combined those into one headline, but it was really kind of two questions in the okay. same email. So LT writes in, they said, uh, hey, Dr. Steph, how do I get into voice work? I've only done a school project for a foreign exchange student and goofed around. I don't have a demo and I'm not sure where I can go from here. I'm a guy, so I'm in a different demographic that, than you. Next, I'm in a monogamous married relationship. I'm not really happy with my sex life. We've been married for 15 years. The sex is obligatory at best. Any suggestions? I have generally just make her mad. She usually makes token gestures to improve, but I feel like she's just doing another chore. And yes, we've tried to spice things up, but with no avail. Any suggestions? Is there a way I can broach the idea of an open marriage? I'm really against the wall here. This is a lot. This is a lot. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's take the marriage question first. Well, I mean, uh, okay. Sure. You want to take the voice work one first? Oh, it doesn't matter. No, no, no. Yeah, we can do the marriage one first. Okay. So um, I hear you that you're not happy with your sex life. That sucks. And it's been 15 years of marriage. And I'm sure you've tried a lot of different things. And, you know, I kind of hate to say this, but it sounds like you're getting really desperate here. Um, yeah, the way I look at it, you have a couple of different options. One is to cheat on your wife, which is not really an option for many people if sure. they want to keep their marriage. But it is something that people do. I'm not saying that that's right, but it's it might be something you've considered if you're really that unhappy. Two is to tell your wife to make one last ditch effort. Tell your wife, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not happy <laughs> in our sex life. Uh, this is so such a big deal to me that I'm thinking it's really affecting other aspects of the marriage. And if we don't do something to fix it, I'm not going to be able to stay married to you. And, you know, see if that, I guess, gets anything to change. Um, the other one is to just say, you know what, it's been 15 years, we've tried everything, we're just not sexually compatible, we have to get divorced. Yeah. I mean, I, you might not like any of those options, but that's kind of what I see. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Well, I, don't, I mean, it, you know, considering opening a marriage up, I mean, the thing is, is how to broach that. Like that, that is such a varied. I don't think anybody wants to necessarily hear that. Like, hey, I'm not happy with our sex life. You mind if I just go ahead and fuck some other people? Yeah. I, I mean, like that, I, I think you have to like. I don't it's know. It's kind of an, an insulting, you know. No, I don't know. I don't know about insulting, but it's just that that's a tough like how to bro how to bring that subject up is it's very unique. I mean, like because you you have to you got to know what the other person's really looking for. Mm -hmm. What are they missing out on? And then you just generally want to like approach it from those angles. But it's tough to know what those, you know, or I mean it I don't know what those angles are. I know. I mean, this it's, it's really right. It's really hard because we don't know this person's wife. Like mm -hmm. maybe she's just like, she would be so relieved if he said, Hey, do you mind if I like, you know, go to a sex worker once a month or something like that? She'd be like, hallelujah. I don't have to try to pretend I like fucking him anymore. Cause yeah. sometimes, you know, sometimes people do just lose interest in sex over time. There's health issues, whatever. I don't know. Sometimes some people are like that where they just their sex drive goes way down. Maybe she would be relieved if he brought it up. Or maybe she thinks their sex life is great and she would be devastated if he brought something like that up. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, or maybe something in between. You know, so I don't know. 
it's you have to kind of think about your situation. I think it's a good idea to be try to be considerate of, of how your wife feels about this and realize that maybe she is trying her best. I mean, I guess you're not happy with with how things are going, but she might be genuinely putting in an effort and try to be at least aware of that when you talk to her about it. Sure. I mean, this is an area where actually kind of some we were just talking about. I mean, this is an area where sex robots could really help. Because, because I mean, in all seriousness, because then you could both either, I don't know, spice it up however the hell you want to spice it up. Uh, and you could do so without having to get someone else involved or something like that. You know, you, you would get a thing um, involved. And I don't know, have conversations over like, hey, what's, you know, what's your wildest fantasy and all that stuff? But you've got to, as the partner that's interested in changing things or whatever, look, you, you, you can't come at this with judgment. You've got to be like, Okay, no, I just need to hear what she's into, and then I, I move on from there. And maybe it'll solidify the fact that, like you said, Stephanie, maybe this 15 years, maybe it's over, you know? Right. Or maybe it will, you know, enlighten you to, oh, hey, you know, we could do this, we could do that. I mean, I think, you know, talking about each other, and this is, it's so hard to do. People, it's, It sounds like such a simple thing for people to do, but it's actually very difficult to talk about, to actually be completely honest with each other's fantasies. The reason this is so hard is because so many people come at it with a lot of personal judgment or societal judgment, and you can't do that. You know, it's a simple thing to do, yes, but you've got to turn off all of that judgment, and you've just got to hear what's going on for them. Okay, and if there's something in there that sounds very weird or whatever and you're concerned about it, well, then try to dig into what maybe where that fantasy comes from. If you think it's something like, I don't know, not healthy or something like that, mm-hmm. don't judge them and say, wow, you fucking sicko like that. That's not going <laughs> to help a damn thing. Uh, so, you yeah, know. you know, there's another aspect here, like kind of reading between the lines, like it actually doesn't sound like she's necessarily very happy with your sex life either right if you're getting the sense that she's doing a chore it doesn't sound like she's enjoying having sex with you either so what is that all about you know maybe you want to try asking her like hey how could i be a better lover to you sure to maybe make you get in the mood more easily right because i mean i think i think we've all well i don't know about all of us but (laughs) like have you ever been in a situation like he feels like he can't talk to her about it. Uh It sounds like she feels like she can't talk to him about it, Uh but neither one of them is happy. So maybe if you just had a conversation and really approached it with some genuine listening, like start by listening and saying, Hey, you know what? I really like used to love our sex, our sexual intimacy. Like we had such a great time together. I feel like there's something missing lately. What could I do to help this be a better time for you. Cause I want us both to have a great time, uh-huh. you know, and see what she says or if she says anything it's for some people, it's really hard to talk about sex, especially if they, you know, maybe got married young or whatever, sure. or they're religious or there could be all different kinds of reasons. But, um, it sounds like there's not just a sexual problem here, but also like a communication barrier about it. So uh-huh. maybe start by trying to get through that communication barrier. Or maybe bring in a professional. Maybe you need to go see a counselor yeah. and they can help with that. Or a like prostitute. Pe- <laughs> or a prostitute. Well, they're professionals. Yeah. Well, you know, often often sex workers do play the role of a therapist of sorts. Yeah. No, it's very true. Yeah. Very, very true. We have some advice from uh, <laughs> from somebody who's got a lot of experience in the dating and relationship realm. <laughs> uh, and she says, 
Invite her on a date. And I think that's a great suggestion. You know, what would happen if you just tried to romance and seduce your wife? Mm -hmm. Like, are you just getting into bed and expecting her to be like, all right, honey, jump on my dick, you know, and if you don't want to, then too bad if you're not in the mood. Right. Like, a lot of times women do have to be kind of like they take it takes a while to preheat the oven, if you will. It takes a while to get them in the mood. And you have to do stuff like, you know, listen to them <laughs> is a great way to get them in the mood. Yeah, Ask yeah. them questions and really listen. Be interested in what they like and what they want. Give them compliments. Take them out on a date. Have fun together. Connect without like the goal necessarily of having sex. Just focus on forming a connection. And then, you know, maybe a spark will happen spontaneously. I mean, that must have happened at some point in their relationship in the past. So there's no reason why the kid couldn't get it back now. Sure. Right. Cool. All right. Well, good luck. I hope that gives you some stuff to think about. Yeah. Stuff to chew on. Um, oh, what were we saying about the professional thing? Um, you know, I was going to say, like, a lot of people hate the idea of involving a, a counselor or a therapist in their relationship because they think, oh, my God, this person's going to just judge me and they're going to they're going to like say I'm all fucked up and then like it's going to be just so embarrassing to talk about my problems to a stranger they have no involvement in this but actually like no that is what they do for a living and believe me they've heard it all they're not going to be judging you as the biggest freak they've ever met because they've guaranteed they've met worse freaks than you <laughs> yeah and and yeah I mean like a lot of people just are afraid to to talk to a professional about it but they are a professional for a reason because they can help you so Maybe that's something you want to do. But I like that suggestion. Take her out on a date. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So Brian had an idea of how to weave these two questions together. How do I spice up my marriage and get into voice work? I did. <laughs> yeah, you did. Remember you said that when I read, read the headline to you? Yeah, Brian said you could get into erotic type of oh, voice work and maybe that'll spice I thought up. it was well okay yeah 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 okay I yeah. think you were being a little bit facetious no, and joking okay. in that but yeah I admittedly that thought crossed my mind too okay so as far as how do you get into voice work that's a big topic um I will say that it so the way I got into voice work was I was doing something else I had a podcast as a hobby Doing that podcast taught me how to use a microphone, taught me how to use audio equipment. It taught me some of the basics. I also read some books about audio engineering, so I just wasn't like a complete fool. But a lot of it was experiential, like learning by doing. So once I learned how to use a, a digital audio workstation, DAW, which is the software that you would record podcasts with or record voiceovers with, um, and I learned how to use the hardware, um, then the next step was just making my voice sound better. Okay. So I learned, I learned the audio side, the podcasting side over a couple of years. That might be a path for you into voiceover work. Um, it may not. It's, you said you've, you've like fooled around. I don't know if you have a studio. I don't know what your setup is. You might want to rent a studio or use somebody else's, use a friend's that has one already set up so you don't have to muck with it, um, especially if you're just sort of playing around. Um, but yeah, what I did was sort of learn by doing with the podcast, which is like low stakes. Then once I felt that I had gotten enough experience with that, um, I decided to try recording my first audiobook. And I didn't, I wasn't expecting to make any money off of it. I did it as a, like a volunteer project. You can do this. There's a website called LibriVox where people volunteer to record audiobooks for free and don't sell them. They're just freely available for visually impaired people or anyone who wants to listen to a free audiobook. Usually it's public domain audiobooks, um, like, you know, classics like Jane Austen or whatever, but um, there's other types of audiobooks 
other, other types of books on there too. I would say if you're at all interested in doing long form voiceover like audiobooks, try that first and see if you like it. You're going to learn a lot just doing your first audiobook. If you like your first audiobook, go to acx.com. That is the back end for Audible. That is how you get on Audible. ACX is a matchmaking website between independent authors usually uh, and publishers, like not the, the biggest publishers like Sh Simon and & Schuster and that kind of thing, but like, you know, uh, smaller publishers and independent audiobook producers like you and me. <laughs> yeah. Right? So you can create a profile on there as a voice talent and you can audition for projects. And believe me, you audition for a couple of projects, you will get, uh, you will book a couple of them if you are at all if you're not like a mouth breathing, you know, <laughs> uh, podcaster, like into the microphone. <laughs> so you will book a couple of projects and, um, you know, do some of those and, and learn from them. Now, there's a couple of ways that you get paid through ACX. They have what's called royalty sharing, and then they have pay per finished hour. So pay per finished hour is when you get paid a flat rate per finished hour of the audiobook that you produce. And the the rights holder of the audiobook, which is the author usually, uh, pays you directly. And then you don't get any royalties from the sale of the audiobook. Royalty share is when you get a little royalty each time a copy of the audiobook is sold. It's Effectively, it's 20% of the sale price. So on a full-length audiobook that's between 6 and 10 hours in length, you make about 2 bucks per copy sold. Plus, they have this bounty thing where if somebody joins Audible and it's their first audiobook that they download, uh, you get paid like $25 for that. So um, that factors in, obviously, but most of it's like, you know, copies. So basically, it makes sense to do a royalty share agreement if you think the book is going to sell uh, a lot of copies. And, you know, you would you would be trying to make as least at least as much as you could make um, per finished hour with a royalty share project. So that's a basic overview of ACX. Very, very basic. There's a lot more we could say about that. Um, but that's if you want to do audiobooks. Now, if you don't want to do audiobooks, if you only want to do short form voiceover, like commercials, YouTube videos, explainer videos, corporate training, maybe even e-learning of the shorter side. E-learning is like, e-learning and corporate training is like a medium form VO, I would say, because, you know, they tend to be like between... 10 minutes and an hour in length. It's not quite long form like an audiobook, like of 10 hours, but it's not really short form either. Short form is like 30 seconds to two minutes or or even less. So if you want to get into the, the shorter form type of voiceover work, I would recommend starting with some online casting sites. There are a couple of websites. The, the biggest one I recommend is Voice123. Voice123 is a website where there are jobs posted. You can go on there and create a a profile as voice talent and you can audition for those jobs and you know you do 10 or 12 auditions every day it'll take you an hour or maybe two hours if you're a little bit on the slower side you'll get great practice with a variety of projects you'll book some work and you'll get you know you'll get all kinds of experience and you might even get a little bit of feedback from the clients so uh, it costs you have to pay a membership fee to join ACX is free Voice123 is uh, $350 or $400 a year. But if you book two jobs, you know, uh, average jobs, you'll you'll make it back. Um, and then you can audition all year as, as much as you want. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet. So I would suggest go on there and audition for uh, just do 10 or 12 auditions every day. And you'll get a ton of experience. You're probably going to book explainer videos. 
average rate, you know, for for an explainer video that's going to live on YouTube is oh, around 200 to 250 bucks, something like that for a two minute explainer video. That's pretty standard for people who are just starting out. Um, and, you know, if that sounds pretty good to you, if you can book one of those a week, then, you know, you're doing pretty good, I would, I would say, as a starting out voice talent. So, um, all right. I mean, I, I hope that gives you a little bit of an idea. I think that's a great Of where to start. Yeah, you don't, even, ramping. you don't even really need demos, I guess you could say. It's not like you're going to be sending your demo. You're going to be doing custom auditions for each client. So right. that's the great thing. You don't need a demo, really. And don't let that hold you back from starting. But just jump in there and get some experience and play with it and have fun above all and let us know how it goes. All right. Thanks for listening to the show this week. We got an after show coming up. So stay tuned. This has been Sex and Science Hour. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. Welcome back to Sex and Science Hour. This is the after show. So, what do people get through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com? Well, um, I don't know if the Black Friday results are in yet, but yeah, there's still time yet. to do your holiday shopping through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Basically, that's where you go if you want to get any of the items that you hear about on our after show. And if you want to be featured on our after show, because we make up our after show out of the things that people buy <laughs> through that link. <laughs> and a lot of times they buy really interesting stuff. Um, we had a, a an item that is near and dear to my heart. I have given this as a gift in <laughs> in my life to some men. <laughs> this is a uh, a multi-tool. So it's like a Swiss Army knife, but like to the next level. <laughs> yeah, kind of like Leatherman. <laughs> yeah, it's a little thing that you can keep in your pocket and it has all these different attachments like from rulers to like a little uh cl- what is that? A little pincer? Pliers. <laughs> oh, it's pliers. Yeah. <laughs> pinch, pinch pinch. Brian and I were were playing pinch pinch during the break because <laughs> we <laughs> we saw a little meme on Facebook that said this is the future vegans want and it had a picture of a guy tied up duct tape over his mouth in the bathtub. Right. Hands behind, hands tied behind two his back lobsters with were two lobsters like crawling towards him. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, ooh, pinch, pinch. <laughs> so we were pinching each other. Uh, but you could pinch somebody with this multi-tool. This is the Swiss Tech ST53100 polished uh, 19 in 1 multi-tool for only uh, about fi- less than $15. That's, That's very pretty handy. good. That's a good stocking stuffer. Ooh, I like this for the winter. Uh, Ruan Yu women's casual over the knee socks, thigh high stockings. Oh, that's great. Those are cool. Big yeah, there's nice. It reminds me of the 90s when you had those slouch socks. Yeah. It's perfect if you're wearing like a big pair of boots. Really tall boots. And you need some socks to go underneath Love it. Because otherwise boots. your boots are going to rub up against your legs. Yeah, I like, I like tall boots too. Yeah. I got a couple of pairs myself. Mm-hmm. We had a book. Cannabis and Spirituality, an Explorer's Guide to an Ancient Plant Spirit Ally. 
by Stephen Gray. Wow. That sounds really interesting. A Guide to the Benefits and Challenges of the Use of Cannabis in Spiritual Practice. I have a lot. Uh, yes. That, Go ahead, I'm, I'm Brian. Glad Don't this, hold back. I'm glad this kind of book exists. I think that that kind of history is always very interesting. Um, I always, and, and granted, cannabis is, is significantly, it's worlds away from something like uh, psilocybin mushrooms and all this other stuff. But like, if I have to hear about one more drug that creates more empathy and it's been used by the ancients <laughs> and I can't find a single fucking culture that didn't sacrifice their daughters or some other crap like yeah, that. Yeah, that's based right. On empathy, Why don't we have peace on earth yet? Yeah. It, 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 I mean, like I said, I'm. Two very different things, but like I sometimes I chuckle a little bit at these. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, drugs were a major part of ancient cultures, no doubt about it. But like to act like there's some kind of, uh, you know, miracle. Oh, if only society did this, if only they did ayahuasca, suddenly the whole world would be this, you know, wonderful place. Uh, I mean, I just I want to go shit myself or tell somebody to go shit themselves. And <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah. that's what happens, too. But I, I agree. Yeah, that's right. They yeah. <laughs> it it can have that effect. I mean, yeah. right. Why aren't the jungles of Peru full of enlightened people that are so peaceful and just having this perfect life? Like, yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. Not. No. Uh, and the people that I, you know, that I know that have done a lot of drugs, it's like, yeah, often they become more religious, but they don't really, I, I don't think they found the key to life, the universe and everything. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, like I said, it's interesting history, and I'm certainly always fascinated by that, regardless of what drug it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it does sound very interesting. It, there's a suggested book that uh, looks also interesting to me. Ganja Yoga? Up. Ganja <laughs> Yoga, a practical guide to conscious relaxation, soothing, pain relief, and enlightened self-discovery. All right. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we had an awl. Do you know what that is? Yeah. An awl is a tool. Six dollars. Uh, it's designed to start holes in soft wood. Handy stuff. Yeah. Speaking of poke, poke, pinch, pinch. Oh, <laughs> here we go. A Stanley Level, number one bestseller in the levels department. Now, okay, here's a question for you. What happens to a level in space? Because it appears to work by density. But Are you a flat earther? No, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not a flat earther. I'm just curious what happens to a level in space because it's supposed to be like, okay, is this level with the ground? Like, it seems like it needs kind of a frame of reference, but yet it's working with bubbles in water. So my, that would be density. Yeah, my understanding it would be that that it it wouldn't work. Like you would lose, you know, just it, it wouldn't fly anymore. I mean, like, and there's... I don't know. That, that's that's my understanding. But what would happen to the bubble? I mean, the bubble would still. Be I don't in know the that water, it would stay right? a bubble. I I mean, it should because of surface tension. But yeah, that's what I'm curious about too. I don't know what would happen to a level in space. Maybe it would it would be like kind of tuned to the Earth. Like the the Earth would be the frame of reference of that would be like that's the <laughs> that's it's level when it's parallel to the Earth. And am, and the earth is round, not flat, but like the, the, you know, like when you balance a board on a circle, it's like that. It's that kind of thing. I am so confused. <laughs> <laughs> I think it still depends. Like, okay, which direction is down depends on where the earth is relative to where you are and the level is, right? 
Yeah. I... But the but, but the bubble tells you how far tipped to the side you are in which you know in different axes. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> Something's not right. Okay, listeners, write in. I guess we I suppose no. we could Google this, but it's yeah. way more fun to ask the listeners. Listeners, write in and tell us what you think happens to a level in space. And tell us if you think the Earth is flat, too. That I don't think I've ever seen one used in space, which there's no, plenty of I good reason either. to do that. And, uh, well, anyway. <laughs> I'm sure it must have been done. We just don't know about it. Yeah. Okay, anyway, somebody got the book She Comes First, The Thinking Man's Guide to Pleasuring a Woman by Ian Kerner, which we oh, talked about. We did a book review of that week. on our show. Yeah. Was it last week? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. It was one of those weeks, yeah. Uh, somebody got a, a knife sharpener, a Meister Meister 800 grit diamond steel rod knife sharpener. You know, that is very useful to have when you're carving a turkey because you want a sharp knife for that. Absolutely. So hopefully they got it in time for Thanksgiving. I think we need to go through and sharpen some of our knives, Brian. Maybe we should get one of those. Yeah. You got to be careful, though, because you can look nuts when you're when you're doing that. Yeah, you're absolutely. There, you look all you know, psycho. Yeah. Sharpening the knife. Hey, how's it going? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes that metallic clang. Right. Uh, somebody got some uh, LED light bulbs. Now, LED light bulbs, cool white. This would drive me nuts. Tell me more. Um, I need incandescence. My eyes are... I'm just one of those oh, highly yeah, sensitive sure. individuals. I, I hate to embrace that label because, like, what sounds more like a snowflake than that, right? Oh, I'm a highly sensitive person. But I've read a little bit about highly sensitive people, and it's basically like something's different with your nervous system, the way it's wired, where you're very sensitive to certain sensory stimuli. And lights are one of those things, especially at night, that just drives me crazy, like the if, if it's a bright white light bulb, mm-hmm. I will not be able to sleep. I'll feel agitated. I'll feel like I had a cup of coffee or something or tea because I don't drink coffee. I feel like I had some caffeine or something. It's nuts. I wouldn't. I don't want a light to affect me that much, but they totally yeah, do. Yeah. So I have to have soft um, uh, incandescent lights, and I buy them. You know when I see them because you know I'm always afraid they're going to be made illegal again <laughs> and right. they'll be hard to find. <laughs> So anyway, um, we had a proton probe and wire locator. Ooh, if you're doing some electrical work. Oh, that's Brian, handy. you got some experience with that, right? Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, I've used... Uh, Stick it in the wall and find the wires, <laughs> find the live wires. Right. Yeah. No, I've, I've used those before. Handy tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody got a DVD of the Pirate Fairy, a Disney from the world of Peter Pan, the pirate fairy oh cool i didn't that know looks that. like tinkerbell and another gal are it is tinkerbell. Kind of getting together hey there. that that works too that's at great. least that's what my that's where my mind goes anyway uh, <laughs> dry mate magic max garage floor mat wow that's cool so if you okay so it's a mat that you put on the floor of your garage yeah park your car over it probably if you're doing an oil change or something and you don't want it to spill onto the floor of the garage, right. it'll keep your garage clean or it'll keep you in place, I guess, or it'll just cover the floor of your garage if you need to protect it from something. Yeah, pretty um, nice. Yeah, that's very cool. 129 bucks. Um, what else we got? Oh, ra- leather scraps from garment cutting, mostly black, two pounds. Somebody's going to be doing some cosplay. Wow, yeah. I guess they're sewing these scraps of leather to something or maybe making bracelets out of them who knows what they're doing but that's cool it's just like you can buy scraps like ends like you know like you can buy the ends of like bacon ends 
You can buy leather ends too. They don't waste any Not part as of the scouts. But yeah. Jasmine Beckett Griffith coloring book, a fantasy art adventure. Ooh, that's cool. Now I have a coloring book and I've got colored pencils, but I'm such a type A stressed out person that I never sit down and color. Yeah. <laughs> and I really should because I hear it's like so therapeutic and good for your soul and everything. Um, but this looks like a really cool coloring book. It's got a bunch of little fairies, fairy gals, and that's pretty. You could do stuff with the, uh, the, the pictures too. Ooh, I love these socks. Different touch, six pairs, women's fancy design, multicolor knee-high socks for $12. That's like two bucks for each pair of socks. Oh my gosh, I have to get some of these socks yeah, those too. Are those hot. are cool. They've got argyle socks. They've got striped socks. They've got a mixture of socks. And they're all knee high. Ooh, I definitely am getting some of these. Love all it. right, add to cart. <laughs> uh, Tribe water resistant sports armband with key holder for iPhone seven. Nice nine dollars. Yeah, that's Brian. Handy. I thought you would like it because of the name Tribe. <laughs> like things that are part of the tribe. Yeah, right. Oh, we had more light bulbs. Okay, so more LED light bulbs. This is a three pack this time. Daylight, 6,000 Kelvins. Have you ever um, read much about the color temperature? They Like when you buy a light bulb, they have a color temperature and it's based on like, I think it's based on like the like the the temperature of a star that would emit that kind of light, like the oh, sun. You mean, oh, you mean the, candle power? Oh, yeah, I guess. The, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the Kelvins or whatever. Oh, okay. Well, when it says like 6,000K right. or 2,500K, that's Kelvins, right? That's yeah. the color temperature. Anyway, what do I know? Um, no, I looked into it for my plants because I I have um, indoor plant lights that I use for my plants that I normally put outside, like house plants that I put outside in the summer. But mm. in the winter in New Hampshire, you know, it's pretty dark, so they need some supplemental light. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I was yeah, mm -hmm. I was thinking candle power, but that's different. That's oh like, yeah, that, yeah. That's anyway. is that like the number of is that like the brightness? Yeah, that gets okay. into like the millions. It gets stupid with candle power. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, a million candles. Uh, okay, somebody. Ooh, this is probably goes with the coloring book. So somebody got sixty colored gel pens by Sue Color. And they're for adult coloring books, scrapbooking, whatever. $11 for 60 pens. That's pretty good. And it's got like every color of the rainbow. Awesome. That looks awesome. Oh my God, it's so much fun. Uh, Power Rangers movie T-Rex Battle Zord with Red Ranger. That is really cool. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, that's from the movie, uh, which that movie was great. I don't know that we're ever going to get a sequel, but, but really that is... Uh, one of the t was that 2017 i guess i think uh, that came out in 2017 16 i think was it 2016 it, it may be early 2017 you saw that a year yeah. ago it might have been yeah it's, i think it was about a year ago that we saw no, it i think the it was like this past march I don't know, regardless it was a great movie it, mm -hmm. it it chalks up with movies of the year in my opinion <laughs> well i thought it was good not that good but <laughs> but it was pretty good um they have all different kinds of zords and that they appear to be on sale the mm -hmm. list price was forty bucks, and this price was seventeen fifty. Maybe I need some Zords. I think you need some Zords, yeah, definitely. Okay, tactical folding. What tactical folding barbecue fork <laughs> with bottle opener? It looks like a butterfly knife, but it's a barbecue <laughs> fork. That's pretty funny. That is funny. Yeah, yeah. It, it's meant to be like a like a folding knife, but it's a barbecue fork with yeah. a bottle opener and fits in your hand. That's cute. Cool. Thir Thirteen bucks. That's very cute. Oh my God, I love this. Holy shit, I love this. I need to get one of these. Okay, this is one of those spaghetti ladles. 
Yeah. But the head is shaped like a dinosaur and the teeth are like the teeth on the ladle that, that, is that lift up the spaghetti. How cute is that? I want one. Oh my God. <laughs> so freaking cute. <laughs> uh, okay. Sisu SISU mouth guard for uh, youth or adults, 20 bucks, and it has little holes so your teeth can breathe. That's mm, good. Well, maybe somebody's doing some uh, roller derby or something. Yeah, roller derby or biking maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Is this one of the ones, do you have to boil it? Because do you remember those mouth guards you had to get for gym class when you were a kid? Oh, You had uh, to boil it? Yeah, you, you boil it and then you'd put it in your mouth. Yeah, I yeah. was actually, so I had to do that for not roller derby, but roller hockey. Uh, and I was terrified of doing that. Like I was like I was like eight or nine, and I was absolutely terrified of that it was in the boiling water, and that I just put it in my mouth, and then it takes the shape of like right, my teeth. yeah. Wouldn't like that hurt co- your teeth? Well, you'd you'd be afraid you'd burn your mouth. Right, you don't, but it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> for for a kid, I mean, like that doesn't make any sense. So, but uh, but yeah, those are those are handy. Sure. <laughs> We had more socks. This time, rainbow stripes pattern. I think I like that pattern the best. I'm totally going to copy whoever this is. Nice. And then they're going to find me someday and be like, oh, my God, bitch, you stole my socks. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe they won't mind. (laughs) Uh, We also had leather sewing tools. Uh, I'm sure that goes with the leather scraps, right? And maybe that all is also for the leather, to poke holes in the leather. Oh, I see where this is going. interesting hobbies our listeners have. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Tell us, send us a picture of your costume costume please uh moto e fourth generation 16 gigabyte unlocked phone that's Nin- handy. 99 dollars moto e yeah that's the the last phone i was using was a moto e it's the e4 it's a very very nice little phone mm-hmm. wish i had more storage and what are you what are you great. using right now i have a um, Le echo le pro 3 and it's, <laughs> is that the french version yeah it's actually chinese but mm-hmm. don't tell them <laughs> Scooby Apocalypse number 19. Somebody's reading all the Scooby Apocalypse comics. Yeah, still one of the best comics out there to date. It's so solid. And finally, Clairol Lights Shimmer Lights Shampoo. Two bottles of 16 ounce for 20 bucks. I wouldn't know what to do with that. Yeah, that's because you have no hair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for participating in our after show. And if you want to get any of those items that we just talked about, you can go right on to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Don't forget to do your Black Friday shopping there or Black Friday weekend shopping or holiday shopping there too. And you can be on our after show. So we thank you so much for that. And we thank you for tuning into our show. We'll be back at you next week on sexandsciencehour.com. Have a great one, everybody. (laughs) 